So, Russell, Mel and I just finished watching Voyager, Star Trek Voyager. Ooh, you're, you're a bit behind. I hope you tried to avoid the spoilers. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's been a little while. Actually, I did, I did manage to avoid the spoilers. The, the, the final episode was a complete surprise to me. I had no idea going in whether or not this, like the series, which obviously finished, I think it finished like early 2000s, early noughts. Is that what it's called? Noughts? Early in the noughties, yes. And uh, I, I had no idea if like the series had like just been cancelled and ended and, or if it had like come to a, you know, nice conclusion or, or what. Like it had, I had no idea, but you know, it turns out that uh, it was quite a decent series finale, and uh, you know, here we are. <laughs> I love how, like, over a decade on, we're still trying to avoid spoilers. What if someone hasn't watched Voyager? Then we don't want to spoil it for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, people. There's there's a moratorium on this stuff. But it actually got me thinking because I've also watched, and I'm sure that you've probably seen uh, The Martian. Oh, I have, yes. Mr. Yeah, Matt and, Damon. And obviously there was a film maybe a couple of years ago now called Gravity with uh, Sandra Bullock in it. And it kind of made me think Star Trek made a lot of predictions about the future of technology, right? And it's quite well known for the fact that a lot of the stuff that they've, you know, that they presented have kind of become real things. You look at like, for instance, they had tablets that they walked around with and uh, and used. And I think they were even called pads. Yep, they definitely had those in there. So, so there was that. And then you've got communicator badges. And just, I mean, communicators in general, but the badges are actually a real thing. You can actually buy a thing that you snap to your clothes and walk around. You can talk through it. Uh, and it's just a badge. Even the hyperspray, which is quite like is essentially exists throughout the entire uh, run of various Star Trek things is a real, is actually a real thing and has been a real thing for a while. And in real life, it's called a jet injector and they don't use it very often because needles are a cheaper and also don't. Uh, have as many issues but they use these jet injectors to do large scale uh inoculations for viruses and stuff um if they if they need to yeah and i mean you you also had um the audio interface which i guess is still becoming a thing but you know you you see it quite frequently on star trek that they're like computer blah 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 and enhance and you know they're they're talking you know primarily through an audio thing. I, I guess in some sense they also have touch screens, like not as much, but you look at all the consoles in, in those shows and they are essentially, you know, flat pieces of glass. So Certainly as they got kind of towards the, the latest series, 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 series? Yeah. Where, where they like, you know, uh, especially starting in, I think, uh, Next Generation where they had LCARS, which is the, uh, you know, the touch screen kind of interface that powered a lot of things. And that's kind of it, it, it's it's a thing with Star Trek that you know Star Trek has predicted technology, but at the same time, like the underlying premise of it is kind of a, still a bit overly fantastic. The whole idea of like you know space travel, and we go faster than light through <laughs> throughout space, and getting stuck in the Delta Quadrant, which is you know the other side of the Milky Way galaxy, and yet here we are in you know 2015, and we still haven't even made it to Mars yet. Yeah, I mean we we've sent robots there, but. Uh, yeah. There's been no, no yeah. humans there just yet. I mean, it's it's weird, isn't it, in these, these space sort of stories is you've kind of got competing interests. Like one is you have to have things that, that drive the, the plot and make it interesting. So if you were to travel at sub-light speeds, it might make for some really boring stories. You know, like we're going to go to Uranus and it's going to take us six months. And once we get there, there's still no aliens. Sorry, we're going to have to travel for another like 20 years before we find like anything interesting. That 
that doesn't make for an interesting space. So, so you need things like, you know, faster than light travel. You need wormholes. You need getting stuck places. You even need weird things like let's hop in a shuttle and go down to a planet because that gives our two characters like a chance to, you know, interact one-on-one without the rest of the crew. Some of that's needed, but some of it's just cool. Like if you think about things like, do you remember the holodeck from Star Trek where you yes. can literally, you can be in a room that's a certain size, but it can be any space and filled with anything. It can feel like a, a vast world. You've got the, what's that thing that, that makes food? The replicator. The replicator. It's basically making food out of, you know, your bodily functions. So I don't know if you followed that too closely, but you go to the toilet and next <laughs> thing, like dinner's on the table. Yay. <laughs> well, and even that's a becoming a real thing. They've got 3D printers now that can print food and, uh, they're working the way towards actually, um, you know, making it a you know, more more clever thing. I mean, it doesn't build it from atoms yet, but you know, soon, soon. The thing is, is though, you say that, like, you say that, like, there's a that you kind of need that stuff to be interesting, but it's also on the flip side, we've started uh, not even necessarily super recently, but I guess more so super recently with movies like Gravity and The Martian going kind of to the opposite end of the spectrum and looking at this kind of st- space travel, space exploration through like a a not distant future point of view. And, you know, so Voyager, sorry, not Voyager, the Martian is set in roughly 2035. So that's, that's only like 20 years in the future. And yeah. I, th- I think gravity is, is supposedly set like now-ish or in the very near future as well. Yeah. Like all, all the stuff in gravity like already exists. And they're kind of looking at it through a, like a current scientific perspective and they're still super interesting. Yeah. No, that's true. But I think. You know, Voyager is interesting because, you know, fantastical things are happening and they're meeting alien races and they're, they're doing negotiations. And it's also a projection of like a future where, you know, humanity has come together and with, uh, along with other races, we form like a federation. And, and yeah, there are bad guys, but you know, we're kind of things are getting better and we have all these, these cool technologies. <laughs> it's funny, movies like Gravity and Martian, uh, The Martian, I feel like, have have like a message that basically space is freaking scary and if anything bad happens in space you are screwed my friend it is it is it is a little bit scary isn't it uh every every chance is like you're going to die yeah like yeah. i don't want to get too far into spoilers but you know when when she's trying to get back to earth and there's basically only a few ways you can get back to earth as a as a you know as an astronaut up there you can't just magically you know parachute your way back down it doesn't work like that. You know, you've got, you've got to get into something that has a pr- heat-proof shields and parachutes and all sorts of other stuff. And then you still have to land somewhere where, like, you know, people can pick you up. And add to that, you've only got a certain amount of oxygen and, like, everything else. It is it is really easy to die in space. I, I don't know about you, but watching those two movies just makes me think, I like the idea of space. I think it's cool that we want to go to other planets. I'm all for that. But I don't know if I want to be the person, you know, on the first few trips. I mean, did, would would you do it? Like, if the people are like, "Hey, let's go to Mars," you know, we've, we're going to set up a colony there. Like, is that would that interest you at all? See, I I feel like maybe it would. I feel like maybe I could do it. I don't necessarily know if you just like offered me a spot. You landed your spacecraft do- at, at my front door and said, Sounds "Hey, like look. a weird euphemism now." <laughs> You landed my spacecraft on your front door. Like, what? Okay. Uh, if you pulled up to my house and said to me, "Like, hey, like, jump in the car and we're gonna we're gonna take you. And we're gonna we're gonna fly to Mars. We're gonna leave right now." Yeah, I I don't necessarily know if I'd be like super keen on it, but I I think I'd like to think that I I would, uh, especially given the time frames. 
See, the thing is about his, his, this is something interesting actually because Voyager has uh, does an episode where they you know they kind of call back to that you know because Star Trek and the twentieth century like they just love the twentieth century in, in Star Trek and in Star Trek it's history but everybody knows something about the twentieth century which is crazy yeah it was a good time to be alive <laughs> so Voyager does an episode uh, has an episode where they uh, talk about where, where they kind of you know revisit this uh, this Mars mission where they go to like this crew goes to Mars it's uh, it's a it's the crew of Ares Four, which if you've watched The Martian might sound eerily familiar, and it's set so that 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 mission is set in 2032, and The Martian, you, which the you know is the crew of Ares Three, is set in 2035. So the time frames are a little bit different, but it's still in the like in the 2030s, right? Yeah, and so. I forget what my point with that was. I, I think I think I'm going to guess where you're going. You're you're trying to say that. It, these, this is all like unless you and I sort of die of unexpected um, circumstances, we're we're going to make it to twenty thirty five. You know that this is yeah. within our lifetime. Not only that, yeah. but we'll still be you know reasonably fit and healthy in that time. So, I guess the question is, do you think that we're actually going to see these things in our lifetime? Like, are you going to one day turn on the TV and the crew of maybe the living core at Ares? Who knows the the crew of you know some spaceship will actually arrive on Mars and and set up a colony like do you, do you think that's something that's going to happen I I think so I mean maybe not set up a colony I don't see it like you know like uh you know you know landing on the landing on the shore and just like let's take over this place and so they start you know setting up their buildings and stuff and they're all and then they live there forever and that's the end of the story I don't feel like it's going to be like that especially not the beginning I think it'll be more like what the kind of fictional representations are where they kind of you know they go there it's like going to the moon we go to the moon people kind of jump around a bit they pick up a few rocks <laughs> drive a bit of it and hoon around a bit you know <laughs> drive the buggy yeah they drive the buggy they might plant a flag or two just like you know wave it around a bit and uh and then they jump in their you know jump in their spacecraft and they they go home it's like a picnic just like a few months long <laughs> because just just like in gravity and the martian people it the moon sucks let's face it like it's <laughs> it's a cool place to visit but you, you don't want to you don't want to live there unless unless you uh unless you live a thousand years in the future and they build a theme park there, uh, and you can go there in a spaceship in like ten seconds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is the interesting thing about all this is uh, technically we actually have all the technology now. Like, if if a company really wanted to and it had you know unlimited funding, it there's nothing that we really haven't discovered that we need in order to be able to live on the moon. Like we we could build like a civilization there we could build buildings we we could you know mine resources we could do all that sort of thing like that technology exists and the the same goes for mars you know now that they've found you know water sources on there and the, everything we need to to go there and set up a colony we have but i i guess the difficult thing is um you have to find someone willing to to spend all that money you have to find someone willing to actually set all that stuff up and then you actually have to find people that want to live there and there has to be a reason you know, for being there as well. Like, I think a lot of stuff is driven by, you know, exploration. Like, humans wanted to be on the moon. You know, we, we really seem to want to be on other planets as well. That's, that's cool. But in order to live there, you kind of have to have like a really compelling reason to, to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, other than like, why, why do you think that we are so kind of intent on f- finding our way to other planets? Is it just because, is it just because we need to like put our foot on something? 
I think it's it's a combination of things. So what you had on on Earth, like you know, before the the entire Earth was kind of mapped, and you know, you could hop on a plane and get places. You had these these adventurous sort of explorers that would go places, like they'd they'd sail for like three months to to get to some unknown land, and then when they got there, they didn't just set up like a a base on the shore and they're like, yeah, we're happy, this would do. They actually did crazy things like they climbed mountains they went inland they tried to like follow rivers and a lot of these people died like it was it was it was crazy dangerous and you know crazy but i guess they had this this kind of thing where they're like oh we have to explore new places like here's something undiscovered here's something like no other human being has ever done like for some reason that just seems to drive people they're like i want to do you know things that no one else has done yeah i guess guess that's kind of kind of right but i mean i mean and that kind of that that sort of thing could theoretically drive the, our need to like go to the moon or whatever but it doesn't really kind of answer the the long-term question like what do we do what like what happens after mars like once we've you know you know been to mars maybe once maybe twice what then like do we continue going to mars just keep looking around and be like hey we've we've been here good do they start <laughs> setting up like you know, like tours like bus tours type thing where you like you jump on a spaceship and they fly you out to Mars and you have a bit of a look around and, you know, take your photo with, with something and then you know, fly back. I mean, we've kind of, it's been a really long time since anybody's actually landed on the moon other than like, you know, the occasional robot, I think. Do you think that may be the same situation with Mars? Like, we'll just like, we'll go there until we're bored and find something else to do. Yeah. Well, see, that's the hard thing is like, you look at space and it's, it's so vast and it's so amazing and it does give you the sense that you want to explore it. But, the problem is, in reality, like a lot of these places that are anywhere near us are completely uninhabitable. So Mars, you know, doesn't have enough atmosphere to to support life. It doesn't have, you know, running water to, you know, grow plants and, and whatever else. And it's not somewhere unless you do, you know, some crazy science fiction-y type things where you, you know, you terraform it and you put an atmosphere on it and you start to grow plants and stuff like that. It's not somewhere that's actually like hospitable to human life. And that that makes it a bit different to the early explorers. So if you think about people that came to Australia and America and all these other countries that, you know, that hadn't been quote unquote discovered, I realized there was people living in all these places and they probably felt a bit put out that you're like, Hey, we discovered your country. And they're like, yeah, I freaking live here, dude. Like I've, I've lived here my whole life. You didn't discover anything, but anyway, separate topic. Like you go to Mars and it's, you can't just live there. You know, there has to be a whole bunch of technology and things that happen. And I wonder, I wonder in the long run if that's going to be, I don't know, a kind of depressing thing that we can we can get to these places, but it's very hard to live on these places and you you really have to be determined and set up a lot of technology and a lot of, you know, measures to actually just enable you to do to live there. And even then, like your quality of life's not initially going to be the same as it is here. Like you can't you can't hop on a plane and go and visit like the Eiffel Tower. You can't stroll by the lake. You can't, you know, go for a walk. You're you're stuck in this colony with like all these other people and you can't go outside because outside is very dangerous like i don't i don't know what that means for the future and the only thing i can think of that's that's driving us there is you look at history and you can kind of see things like the dinosaurs like you find these fossils and you're like hmm you know at one time these things were all over the place and now they don't exist anymore and and i think that drives people a little bit to think that what if something happens to this planet that we're on like we're not actually anywhere else and that that would be the end of you know, I guess the human race. Yeah. So I'm. I mean, maybe what happens, what what will happen in the future is that the space race will kind of turn into a terraforming race, and we like try to figure out how to terraform places. Maybe 
Do you think that's even a possibility? I honestly don't know enough about science. I mean, I've read plenty of books where they do it. <laughs> they, you know, they set up some <laughs> machines and they, they make themselves some atmosphere. And I guess once you've got an atmosphere, then you can do other interesting things like filling it with oxygen that doesn't escape into space and growing plants. And then presumably somehow you get running water. Maybe, I guess. I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that that's going to happen in our lifetime. I feel like in our lifetime, People are going to get to these planets and they're going to have like a really hard time of it. But, you know, they'll be able to live there for a year. Just like people go up to the International Space Station now and they, you know, they hang out there for, for six months, you know, eating food from these plastic things and, and that sort of thing. Like you can do it. it. It's cool. But I don't know if it's the kind of life that, you know, I'm up for. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think in our lifetime we're going to see it be this sort of thing where you can just, opt to move to mars just like you would opt <laughs> to move to like you know london or or whatever uh i don't think there's going to be an episode of topical where we uh, we look into uh what you need to do to move in move you know <laughs> into into planet yeah if anyone goes it'll be ben he'll, he'll be first <laughs> yes yes it will be uh, uh like i don't think that's going to be something that we necessarily see in our lifetime but maybe in the ne- near future like this is a sort of thing where it's a you know that there, there are likely to be generation you know uh, there's likely to be a generation that you know discovers some you know thing about i don't know quantum physics something sciencey that you know suddenly makes these things a bit more feasible and when do you think that might be a thing well, I, I, I think about this sometimes. So you, you talk to the, the old people, like people older than us, and you you ask them about their childhood and you're like, what was it like? And they're like, well, you know, I grew up, we didn't we didn't have a fridge, we didn't have electricity, we didn't have running water. Like, you know, you had to go to the, not a well, but you had to go to like a place where you're nearby where you got your water. Um, you had a horse and cart to get around. And you, you wonder like at that time, you know, we went to the moon, I think, in the, the early 60s, if I remember this rightly. You, you imagine mm-hmm. someone that was born in, you know, 1910, 1920-ish. Would they have imagined that, you know, that man was going to step foot on the moon? And probably not. Like, you know, there weren't even really planes at that stage. There was barely cars. You know, there was all these things that we take for granted today didn't exist then. And yet people lived, you know, from that generation to, hey, we built a rocket ship um, we sent some dudes to the moon. They they planted a flag up there and they came back. I mean, that's that's a pretty impressive turnaround for such a short period of time. And that's that's the only thing that makes me wonder: could some of this happen? And I I do wonder sometimes if the only thing that's holding us back is a massive amount of will to go there. I mean, I wasn't alive during the Cold War, but from what I understand of history, like the the driving force was it was us against them, and we had to prove that you know we could we could do it better than them, and we had to put. A person in on the moon, you know, before they did, and that was a huge amount of resources, a huge amount of expenditure. Like, I'm sure billions, if not trillions, of dollars worth of, you know, today's sort of cash money went into it. And I wonder, yeah. like, in today's world, like, is that something that's that's going to happen? Like, what's what's the driving force for a government to do it? Like, you see all these these private companies like SpaceX and other sort of private companies doing doing their own thing, you know, to slowly make it a reality, but. I do wonder if you don't get those massive explosions without the governments, you know, of the world somehow being involved. I mean, what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's like the government. It's 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 a it's a strange thing because the government does tend to kind of act, you know, is supposedly supposed to act in the best interest of its citizens, and so you would think that, like, you know, part of that is like you know is investing in things for the future, right? Yeah, that makes sense. 
you know, here in Australia, we've got the government investing in the MBN, theoretically. <laughs> so the idea is that in the future, you know, internet within in Australia will all be uh, you know, much faster and will be kind of prepared for the future, again, theoretically. Yeah, that, that turned out really well for those that uh, that know that story. You know, so there's there's that. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense that the government would get, get involved with or go, a government somewhere would get involved with the like this idea of like, you know, expanding its reach to another planet and what happens if this planet, like, I mean, it's kind of a little bit outside of, it's a, kind of a little bit outside of, you know, the realm of possibility at the moment, but I don't see why, like, in the, you know, relative future, maybe not the next 20 years, but maybe the next 50 to 100 we would, you know, see people actually leaving the planet and, you know, leaving for good. Yeah, I mean, potentially. I mean, that's, I don't know if the word's frustrating, but that that does feel like the frustration that um, we have right now is we know from like a scientific and like factual point of view, if we were to put all our resources behind, you know, getting to other planets today, that in 20 or 30 times the year's time, you could easily make that a reality. There's no reason you can't colonize Mars. There's no reason... You know, you can't go out further than that. But the problem is there has to be like, yeah, the huge amount of funding, there has to be like a will, there has to be a huge amount of organizations and governments sort of getting together to do that. And I can, I can kind of see little hints of that. You got the NASA, you've got the European Space Agency, you know, the, the places like China have their own space program as well. But there doesn't seem to be like a huge sort of coordinated effort to, to get into this. Have you ever played the game? Um, uh, civilization i have i've played civilization 5 i think yeah so like a, a core part of a lot of these games was the the end game one of the ways to win was you could build all the components of you know uh, a spaceship that would travel to another planet and and you'd win that way you know you have to build this module and that module and you know you'd be yep. racing against other countries to do it and yeah i just i don't really see that in, in today's world like there's not a lot of people getting into like a crazy race to you know colonize mars no, but I, I think we're going as kind of a different direction with that. I mean, you look at the space station, the space station is literally called the International Space Station, and it's not necessarily just something that, uh, you know, people from, you know, the US go to, but it's, it's an international thing. And so, you know, quite a lot of the astronauts from, that, that have gone up to that have been from other countries as well. I, I, I think there's kind of being, it's, it's going, it's going from being more of a, like a country thing to being more of a, and like a global thing. We're starting to move in that direction. The problem is, is that that's innately difficult because, you know, we're very hard, like as, as people, we're, you know, we find it very difficult to like co- cooperate with people that we're close to, let alone, you know, other people from, you know, that are completely different to us. And so I think it might be a little bit like it's probably still a while off, but I yeah I I stand by my fifty to one hundred year thing. I, I stand by it. <laughs> well, let's I stand re- by it. We'll reconvene in fifty years, and we'll we'll see if you were <laughs> if you were right or not. I think yeah, no, th- there is that aspect of it. Like there are there are international corporations going. We do have, like you say, a space station. We have you know other things that that we coordinate on, and they they seem to work reasonably well for the most part. So. Maybe. I, I do wonder if in the short term the other thing that's going to hold us back is that, like I said before, like space is freaking huge and when you start to think about what's the fastest you can possibly go within the current laws of physics, the places you can get to in um short amount of time are not not that much. Like you've got our own solar system and that's about it. Like I, I hope you didn't want to go anywhere else because unless we find wormholes or, you know, other ways of 
of traveling faster than the speed of light, you're kind of you're kind of screwed. We're kind of stuck here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even just going like even just kind of like putting all that aside and just assuming that maybe in the future that something like that will be a possibility. Like you've got to get past the idea that space is terrifying. <laughs> You can be like just, you know, hanging out in your little spaceship and you're just like, yep, I'm all good. And then all of a sudden like this, your pebble-sized rock just goes flying through your hull and just tears things to heck and you just, and you know, it, all of a sudden it's just like, boom, 